want to continue in prayer. I'd ask you to say this prayer on your own right now. You don't have to say it out loud. But God, if there's anything you want me to hear this morning, I'm willing to listen. Give that prayer to God this morning. God, if there's anything you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. And our prayer as we open your word this morning is that, God, you'd be glorified. Everyone hearing this would be edified and that Satan would be horrified in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you took the time to gather with us. The Bible tells us to not give up gathering together as some are in the habit of doing. Even though we can't gather physically, we are gathering at 10 o'clock. And so we're thankful for those of you who are here live with us. Pray that you can concentrate. Hopefully the pancakes won't burn or you got to run and do something else. You can focus this time and we'll be as brief as possible because I know it's harder to pay attention in this kind of a format. Go ahead and ask me what's the big idea. I, could, I heard buried tombs. Once again, he's my one guy out there that I know says that out loud. But Christopher helped me out here in this room. The big idea this morning is that my spiritual DNA produces love or selfishness. The spiritual DNA inside of you is either going to produce love or selfishness. Open up your Bible or some kind of a gadget to 1 John 3, 10 through 18. We're going to be in that context this morning. And obviously the theme is love. Everybody say love. We're talking about love this morning. We're right back in the gospel project. This is the scheduled message for today. And oh, how timely it is that what we're going through that we focus on love in action. Love is not just words. It has to be done in action. So this morning, as you follow along in your text, we're going to walk through this, understanding that the world has a messed up definition of love. I say this all the time, every wedding, every chance I get, that the world we live in would define love poorly. The world would say, love is a feeling you feel when you feel like you're going to get a feeling that you never felt before. That's how love is defined in this world. It's all about emotions and ushy-gushy, mushy love, feelings, and while those things are great, While it's wonderful to have those in a marriage relationship, there's more to love than just feelings. Someone has suggested that the definition of biblical love is a self-sacrificing, caring commitment that shows itself in seeking the highest good of the one loved. I often tell you that the opposite of love is not hate, it's selfishness. This morning I believe that John is going to talk about the difference between love and selfishness. And it really comes from who you truly are, your DNA, what you're made of. So we want to walk through 1 John 3, 10 through 18. I'll read the context. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother or sister. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, 
How can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Love. Uh, I've heard it said that a, a little girl went to her little boyfriend and she said, do you love me? And he said, yes, I do. She said, would you die for me? And he said, no, mine is an undying love. We all want love. We all want to know that kind of love that would die for us. And we have that in Jesus Christ. John, the son of thunder, as the Bible calls him, became the apostle of love. How did that change happen? It's because John passed from death to life. John's DNA got changed at some point with his faith in Christ. He went from dead to life. He went from selfishness to love. The son of thunder was transformed into an apostle of love. This book was written by John, the disciple that Jesus loved. You need to know that he was writing this book to believers and he's writing against something called Gnosticism. It was a false doctrine entering the church at the time. That Gnosticism believed that bodies, our physical bodies, were only meant for evil. Only the spirit is good. And that was a problem because people then were going on and just sinning because they were in the flesh so they figured they might as well just let the flesh do whatever it wanted to do. So they lived by a motto of pleasure. They denied Jesus Christ because Jesus, God's son, came in body. So he was in body, so therefore he was evil. It was an evil doctrine entering the church. And that's why John is making it very clear who's truly saved. He starts out by saying, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. John is making a clear distinction. And John does this. He contrasts. He goes back and forth. He talks about evil versus good. He talks about uh, darkness versus light. He talks about selfishness versus love. He talks about Jesus versus the devil. He contrasts and compares throughout this whole book, but he's doing it always talking about love because love is that action that, de- that shows you what you're made of. It's produced from something within you. And so John talks about knowing who the children of God are, knowing who the children of the devil are. And then he says, anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child. I think he's talking about love here. If a person is not loving, doing what's right, we've been told that the greatest command is to love God and love people. So John is saying, if a person is not doing that, if he's not loving God and loving people, he does not have God. Nor does anyone who does not love their brother or sisters. So John is making this contrast. He's trying to make it very clear. I want to run through some thoughts today using this key verse. The key verse is found later in this passage. 1 John 4, 8. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Since God is love, his children will be known by love. And you need to know this morning, as we're talking about this, we're talking about our DNA, the thing that makes us who we are, what binds us together. You're either still in the old flesh or you've been made brand new. And John says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Love is that key factor, according to John, that shows what you're made of. Have you passed from death to life? So there are going to be a couple of points this morning. You can follow the notes or Maybe download the notes I sent you and print those out. Number one, the DNA of the world produces selfishness. I'm not saying that 
anybody that doesn't know God can't do good things. We know that that's not true. We know that there are people that don't know God that do wonderful things. We also know there are people who know God that do horrible things. I'm not saying that John is making an absolute fact statement here that, that nobody who isn't saved can't do good things and nobody who's saved can't do bad things. He's not saying that. What he's saying is when you look at somebody and the fruit of their life, if love isn't a part of it, God isn't a part of it. But if God is a part of it, love is the product. It's about what you're made of. I'm contrasting that like John contrasts that. It's about what you're made of. So he uses a couple of things. Number one, he says that love is typified. It's typified in Adam's firstborn, Cain. It's typified in Adam's firstborn, Cain. He says, don't be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. We know that the first man, Adam, sinned, and his firstborn sinned and killed His brother, Cain, murdered his brother, Abel. That is the ultimate of selfishness. It originates with the devil. John tells us that it comes from the evil one. So it's typified in Adam's firstborn, Cain. It originates with the devil. And then selfishness divides people. And it could even lead to murder. Selfishness at the core, it's awful. It separates us. We cannot love people and be divided. So it's selfishness that's the opposite of love. That's what divides people. You see it right in the beginning in Genesis. Two brothers. There should have been love there. Instead, there was selfishness on Cain's part. And it was sinful. It's motivated by personal sin. Hebrews 11.4. They should throw that on the screen for you. Hebrews 11.4 says this. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. The Bible makes it very clear that Cain chose sin, selfishness. Both of them were doing religious activities, but only one had been made new and was living out of love instead of selfishness. John goes on to tell us, Selfishness is the evidence of spiritual death. It's the evidence of spiritual death. I'm not surprised that John is overwhelmed by love. John constantly is bringing up the theme of love. If you look through 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, if you read through the the John books, you'll see the theme is always love. He was touched by love. He understood the supreme example that Jesus died on the cross. That is the supreme example of love. It's the supreme example of selflessness. The opposite of selfishness is willing to give up your life. He saw Jesus die for him. Not only that, remember back in John 13. He experienced Jesus getting on his knees and washing his feet. He experienced this deep love of Jesus caring for him and showing complete selflessness and serving the king of heaven, the the prince of heaven, washing the feet of his creation. John experienced that. John's overwhelmed by the difference between death and life. And it's the difference between selfishness and love. It's the DNA. What are you made of this morning? In Ephesians 2.1, it talks about spiritual death. Ephesians 2.1 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Dead. You need to know your DNA is made up of either death or life today. You're either dead spiritually or you've been brought to new life. What is your DNA this morning? 
Because what your DNA is is what you're made of, and what you're made of will produce either love or selfishness. What does your life show? The opposite of that is life. John 5, 24 says this, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my words and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Friends, have you crossed over? Has your DNA been changed? You need to know this morning, and I want to be very clear about this right now. Now is not a time to be wondering if you're saved or not. Let's clear that right now. Let's be done with that worrying. Let's be done with that doubt this morning. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to do that now. We live in uncertain times, and this is the time to be confident of your hope in Jesus Christ. Have you passed from death to life? See, there's been a pandemic There's been a pandemic long before coronavirus. The pandemic that was worldwide, it is 100% contagious. 0% has been contained, and that is sin. We were born with a sin problem. The Bible makes it very clear that you were born dead in your sins. This pandemic is worldwide. Something has to happen to move you from dead spiritually to alive in Christ. John 3.16 tells us this. It's the greatest verse in all the Bible. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves us. He didn't want this pandemic to go and there be no hope. And so this pandemic of sin that's affecting everybody, everybody that's been born from Adam passes this disease on, this disease of sinfulness and dead spiritually. But God, that's some of the greatest words in the Bible, but God, God steps in. Through the first man, Adam, we have sin. His son, Cain, showed that to be true. His own personal sin led to murder of his Brother, selfishness was the result of that DNA. But God stepped in, sent his firstborn son, Jesus. The first man was Adam. The first man of God was Jesus Christ. And God sent him. And he did not sin. Even though he sent him here in flesh, he did not sin. For 33 and a half years, he lived a perfectly sinless life. And then he went to a cross, and he was sacrificed there. The Bible says he became sin, who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. What a great exchange happens. And friends, you need to know if this has happened in you today. Have you exchanged death for life? Have you exchanged your sinfulness for righteousness? That happens the moment that you go to a holy God and say, God, I know that I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sin and come into my life as Savior and Lord. At that moment, an incredible exchange takes place. You remember, remember that show, The Incredible Hulk? You remember when David Banner, I always remember the TV show when David Banner's tire uh, went flat and he's out in the middle of the road trying to change his flat tire in the middle of a rainstorm and the lightning's coming down and, and the tire rod slips and he slams his hand on the concrete and all of a sudden he starts changing and his eyes turn whitish green and all of a sudden he starts turning green and he gets bigger than his clothes and it, I, whoa, there's a transformation. Something better happens for you and I the moment we understand that there's sin in us. Passed down from Adam. Passed down from Grandpa. Passed down from Mom and Dad. It is ours. It's a pandemic. It affects everybody from birth. And unless something happens, you die in that sin. But God. But God sent His Son, Jesus Christ. 
He died on the cross for us. He rose again, defeating death and sin once for all so that you and I can be saved. You see, when I ask God to save me, immediately God's eyes don't look on Don Jackson's sinfulness because I told God it's Jesus who paid for my sin. And Jesus is, uh, God's eyes remove itself from my sinfulness and see the righteousness of Christ and say, Don Jackson, you are perfect. I know I'm not perfect, but something happened in me. My DNA changed. I went from death to life. I went from selfishness to love because God saved me. I became a new person when I said, God, please save me. My DNA was changed. I went from old to new. I went from no life to a brand new life. That has to happen in you. Don't wait for it. Do it today. Right now, wherever you're at, you can say, God, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sin and come into my life as my Savior and Lord. Take that new life. John, back in 1 John 3, I want to show you the way he contrasts this. He he then talks about the DNA of the church. It produces love. The DNA of the world produces selfishness. That's what they're made of. That's the craziness out there when people are running and buying 12 mega packs of toilet paper. And they're buying all sorts of things and packing their carts and they don't care about the next person. They want to make sure they're taken care of. See, that's, that's the selfishness of the world. I hope you're not like that. I hope you're not thinking of yourself, but you're thinking of others. Because the DNA of the church, we've been changed from old to new, from death to life, from selfishness to love. We've been changed. Our DNA is brand new now. It's the DNA of Jesus. We get that from him from the cross. And our DNA compels us to live differently. And what John teaches us here is this typified in God's firstborn, Jesus. We've got to put on the character of Jesus. We want to be more like him. Our DNA has been changed, but our flesh wants to go back to the old way. So we've got to put on the character of Jesus. That's who we are now. That's who we become. And so we put on the character of Christ. Not only is it typified in Jesus, it originates with God. The Bible says God is love. It unites people. It should lead to sacrifice. You see how in Cain it divided people and it led to sinfulness. It led to murder. We're different. We're different and we're new. And so we get to live a different way. We unite people. And we lead to sacrifice. It motivates. It's motivated by God's love in Christ. Oh, we always should remember, like John was so overwhelmed with love, his books are saturated with it because he was touched by Jesus. His feet were washed. He watched him die on a cross for his sins. John was, he couldn't get over it. He couldn't get over that kind of love. We need to be motivated by God's love in Christ to love other people. The evidence of spiritual life. Back in Cain, we saw the evidence of spiritual death. He had not been changed from old to new. His DNA had not been changed. Has your DNA been changed spiritually? Spiritually, have you been made new? The evidence would be spiritual life. Love is an incredibly powerful thing. I read a story about a boy in Florida. He went out to play in the heat. 
of the summertime, he decided to jump in the pond and he just dove in and started swimming across the pond. But his mom from the kitchen window saw that an alligator had swam into that pond on the other side and was heading toward the boy and the boy didn't see it. The mom ran toward the pond screaming, son, come back, come back, come back. He heard his mom and immediately knew something was wrong. He spun around in the water and began paddling for shore. The mom got to the, the, the brink of the water just as the son got to the brink of the shore, just as the alligator grabbed a hold of the boy's leg. And there began a tug of war of life and death. There was a struggle. The mom screaming and yelling, grabbing onto her son's arms and not letting go, and the alligator fighting with all it had. A farmer nearby heard the commotion, grabbed a gun, and came and dispatched of the alligator just in time. The boy spent two weeks in a hospital, clinging on to life, and he survived. Weeks later, a reporter came, wanted to interview the boy, and was talking about the experience, and, the, and the, the reporter said, can I see those scars on your legs? And he started to show the scars on his leg. He said, but wait, I've got better scars. And he pulled up his sleeves, and you could see where the mom had dug into him. And he said, these are better scars because my mom would not let me go. Friends, you need to know that God is not willing that you would perish. He's not willing to let you go. He did everything it took to save you. He calls to you. He loves you. His love compels us to love. Our DNA has been changed because of our loving God. Bob Goff has said this. Bob Goff says, Give away love and grace like you're made of the stuff. And that's my challenge for you today. Give away love and grace like you're made of the stuff because if you're saved, it's in your DNA. It's who you are. The third point this morning that we close is this. The third thing is that love produced from the DNA of Jesus must be shown in actions. This is not a talk thing. This is not a word thing. John says, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is love in action. If your DNA has been changed and you're now living in Christ, we live the DNA of Jesus in this world and we show love in actions. How do you do this? First, pray. We need to be people of prayer. If we love, we pray. A really neat thing happened just yesterday I wanted to share with the church. I've been praying. We have that prayer guide and I've been praying over all those things for our world right now. One of those things is our medical field, the people that are working selflessly in hospitals caring for those with the coronavirus Last week, one of our nurses reached out to me, Pam Ochoa. She was concerned about what might happen in the hospitals, concerned about their health to be able to keep working. And she shared with me a prayer request, and we've been praying for I started praying for Pam as a nurse, started praying for the hospitals. I started asking God, what can I do? I don't want to just pray. I want to do something. God, help me do something. I told Pastor Shane this morning, I, I thought about going to the hospital and volunteering to be a nurse. Wouldn't that be quite a sight? PD, the nurse. I have no training. I have no idea what I'm doing. They would have sent me home. I wanted to do something. I, I, just, I think it's in me. It's in the DNA. I want to help. I want to do something. And so I just prayed, God, you need to help us. We want to do something. And then yesterday I got a message from Pastor Shane that Lance Red, who runs our SOS ministry, serving our Savior, somebody had given in the past some masks to our church in case we did a drywall project. And Lance remembered that. He said, I think we have boxes of masks in the basement. 
Shane asked me about it. I was here at the church, so I went downstairs to look, thinking that these aren't the masks. These can't be the N95 masks that everybody's begging for, that the hospitals don't have enough of. These surely are some cheap, phony masks. So I went downstairs to the basement in our church. I opened the door and found this box. In the box was eight boxes of N95 masks, 20 masks per box. It was an answer to prayer. God, what can we do? I called Pam Ochoa immediately. Pam, do you need some masks? Yes! We delivered masks yesterday. You pray. It's the starting point. It's not where we end our love. It's where we start with our love. The starting point is pray. Ask God to show you how to love. The second thing is we proclaim the gospel. There's nothing more loving you can do than to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Proclaim his love. Any chance you get. Learn to turn conversations toward Jesus. We tell people about the hope we have and we do it with gentleness and respect. The third thing, we pay attention we got to pray, we got to proclaim, but you got to pay attention. Don't be too busy to see other people's needs. Have you seen a little child before begging, Daddy, look, Daddy, look, Daddy, look, every time he wants to do something on the swing or, or some new tumbling trick? Daddy, look, Daddy, look, Daddy, look. And he says it over and over again because he wants to see his dad's eyes watching. And it's sad to watch this happen and the dad won't look. He's looking at his phone or he's reading a book or a paper. It's sad. The child's begging, pay attention. Are you paying attention to the needs around you? We we pray, we proclaim, we pay attention, then we provide by putting your time, talent, testimony, and treasure into action. It's got to be an action. Are you sharing your time right now? Are you sharing your talents? Are you sharing a testimony? Are you sharing of the treasure that you do have with others that have needs? This is how we love in action, and it must be done in action. You've heard me say it. Many people proclaim it. Our key factor, our target we should be living for is to love God, love people. Love God, love people. I'm going to add to a little bit today. We need to love God, love people, and do stuff. That's right, do stuff. Love God, love people, do stuff. We need to show that the DNA in us has been changed from death to life, from selfishness to love. I challenge you this week, I've given you several uh, challenges for you to look at on the notes uh, that we printed out for you. There's some spiritual training exercises. I challenge you to pick up one or two or three of those or all of those and do those this week. Let your love flex its muscles. Don't let your love atrophy like some of us who aren't exercising during this time. We're all gonna gain 15 pounds, I think, through this. But we we need to be out there moving and exercising the same thing with your love as a believer. You're made of this stuff. So get out there and stretch your muscles. Do it in action. Love somebody today. I'm gonna pray And then I'm going to ask Cass to come and she's going to sing us a song to leave today. A song of encouragement about peace. I hope you know the peace because God has changed you. You have a new DNA. The new DNA of Christ. Father God, in the name of Jesus, bless the people today. Bless them in their homes. Bless them as they work from homes. Bless them as they they have their children inside. And God, I just pray bless those who know you. Give us patience with one another. Give us a love for one another that focuses on the one loved, 
not our selfishness. God, help us to remove all selfishness and to live a life of sacrifice. You're our example. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross. Help us to be your little ones and to share a lot of love. In Jesus' name, amen.